Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We are going to continue Avatar Watch. It's Avatar news all the time because, let's be honest, that is the box office story of the decade, maybe, as we track and see what it's doing. So we'll talk about Avatar. We will also talk about the Martin Luther King holiday weekend. The numbers this week are going to be estimates because the final numbers didn't come in on Monday like they usually do, and I didn't want to push the show again till Wednesday. So we're not going to have final numbers, but we have enough to talk about everything Avatar everything Megan which had a great hold for a movie in the horror genre a new movie from Gerard Butler I was a lot of people talking about how I pronounced his name last week some people say Gerard he says that it was originally Jared so that's what I'm going to say here on the show streaming charts so much to get to before we do though I want to thank as always my partner here on the show Carbon Health. We are still in the midst of a pretty tough cold and flu season, and if there's a Carbon Health location near you, they offer flu shots, other immunizations, and urgent care services. Plus, if you are in California or Massachusetts, you can make Carbon Health your primary care provider. All you have to do is download the Carbon Health app. It can show you if there's a location near you. If there's not one, you can also do a virtual appointment. Carbon Health keeps appointments open all day, every day, because they know that you can't always schedule when you're going to need your health care. I'm so happy to be partnered up with Carbon Health because I like the mission that they have, which is to provide health care to as many people as possible, as affordably as possible. So download that Carbon Health app right now, and let's look at the box office for this past weekend. And we're going to start with the three-day box office. So this would be Friday through Sunday, January 13th through the 15th. The three-day estimated numbers, as I mentioned, these are not final. Avatar The Way of Water, another impressive hold in week five, dropping just 29% from last weekend with $32,400,000, easily the number one movie of the weekend yet again. At number two is Megan, which had a 40% drop from its opening weekend, and that's with the estimated numbers. It could be even smaller once final numbers come in. 40% is good for any movie. It is almost miraculous for a movie that is in the horror genre. You know, we talk about here on the show all the time, uh, a drop between 60 to 70% is actually considered pretty good for a horror film. So for a movie like Megan to only have dropped 40% in its second week, that shows you that it is tapping into an audience that is enthusiastic about the film, that word of mouth is strong, that people are going back to see it again. So depending on how this movie holds, we could see Megan at a $100 million domestic gross if it continues going the way that it's going. Something to watch. At number three, speaking of holding well, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, plus 6% over last weekend. That's right, it gained business. We call that the Greatest Showman Special. This is another movie that people liked when it came out, but the buzz is out. I know that it is all over social media, TikTok, Twitter, etc., about how much people love this movie, and it is growing organically. Word of mouth, people telling people. It opened fine in the holiday season, but that's what happens with these mid-to-late December releases. They will often play into January based off of word of mouth, people that didn't get a chance to see it around the holidays. So a great result there for Puss in Boots The Last Wish, $14,390,000. Another really good result for A Man Called Otto. It expanded into wide release, but significantly outperformed expectations, plus 205% with that wide expansion for a total of $12.8 million. The Tom Hanks movie reportedly played incredibly well outside of what is considered the key markets, Los Angeles, New York, and it was playing well in states like Florida and Iowa. There's a list uh, that one of the trades had of the top 10 theaters for A Man Called Otto. The 
this past weekend, and very few of them were in Los Angeles and New York, and I know that some people are kind of scratching their heads and saying, like, well, why did this movie do so well? Well, it turns out that there are people that live in this country, I'm one of them, uh, between Los Angeles and New York. And I think the reason that the estimates were so low on this movie was that the movie played in limited release in the quote-unquote big markets and did fine. And so they said, oh, well, this movie has somewhat limited appeal. And then it turns out that older audiences in the middle part of the country wanted to go see the new Tom Hanks movie. So there you go. A, a good result for A Man Called Otto, $12.8 million. And then Jared Butler or Gerard Butler's new film Plane, co-starring Mike Coulter, over $10 million. This is the first time in a while, I think about six months, that all five films in the top five have been over $10 million. An estimated $10.2 million debut. So a good debut for Plane over the three-day weekend. And before we get to six through 10, you know what I like to do. I like to do these silly little charts here on the show. These are the top five domestic openings for movies with the word Plane in the title. That is P-L-A-N-E or variations thereof. At number one, the wannabe Pixar film Disney's Planes with an opening of $22.2 million, followed by that film's sequel, Planes, Fire, and Rescue with a opening of $17.5 million. Then, of course, the wannabe cult hit Snakes on a Plane at number three with $15.2 million, Jared Butler's Plane at $10.2 million, and then John Hughes' Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one of my favorite comedies, comes in at number five with a debut just over $7 million, but there is a long and story history of movies with the word plane in them and you know what we like to do when we're telling a box office tale that has a long and storied history we like to adjust for inflation so if you adjust for inflation the top five movies with the word plane in the title are still planes at number one snakes on a plane jumps up to number two with a $22 million opening. $27 million was the adjusted opening for Disney's Planes. At number three is Planes, Fire, and Rescue with $21.6 million. At number four, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. That jumps up to $18 million when you adjust for inflation. And at number five, the sequel to one of the funniest movies ever made, Airplane 2, the sequel, which opened to $16.1 million back in 1982. It was almost an identical opening adjusted for inflation than the original Airplane saw back in 1980. It was very close between number five and six, between Airplane and Airplane 2, the sequel. There are lots of different things that you can do with your free time. This is how I choose to spend mine. Let's look at number six through 10 for the three-day weekend. 2023's House Party, which was originally supposed to be an HBO Max original streaming film, was pulled off of HBO Max in the Zaslav era, put into theaters. It debuts with $4 million, followed by Black Panther Wakanda Forever in its 10th week, a 33% drop and a $2.3 million total. Brendan Fraser's The Whale in week six drops just 4% as it expands into wide release. So about a month and a half journey for it to get into wide release as the awards buzz is cresting as we get into Oscar season proper. $1.4 million for The Whale. I Want to Dance with Somebody comes in at number nine with a 50% drop from last week and a $1.2 million total. And at number 10, Walter Viraya, a new film out of India with a total over $1 million. So we had all five movies in the top five over $10 million. We had all 10 movies in the top 10 over $1 million, which again is something that we haven't 
seen as often lately, even in the heart of the holiday movie season. When we look at the four-day weekend, this was a four-day weekend here in the United States, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend. Not much changes in the top 10, just a little bit of a bump up when it comes to the numbers. The biggest beneficiary of the holiday, Avatar The Way of Water, bringing in an estimated $40.6 million. That number will change when the final results come in today after this video comes out. Megan brings in $21.7 million over the holiday, followed by Puss in Boots The Last Wish at number three with just over $19 million. A Man Called Otto at number four with $15.3 million, followed by Plane at number five with just over $12 million. House Party at number six with $4.7 million, followed by Black Panther Wakanda Forever at $2.8 million, The Whale at $1.8 million, I Want to Dance with Somebody at $1.475 million, and then we did not get updated numbers for Walter Viraya at number 10, so that total stays the same as it was for Friday through Sunday, just because no other film made enough to overtake it, even without that Monday total in the number 10 spot. Dropping out of the top 10, after eight weeks, The Menu, which is now making its way onto streaming and video on demand. Violent Night, also dropping out of the top 10 after six weeks as the holiday season comes to a close. And after three weeks, ooh, Damien Chazelle's Babylon. You don't want to see this dropping out of the top 10 after three weeks, especially with the meager box office results it's achieved. It drops out of the top 10 after three weeks, and I have a lot more to say about Babylon very soon. We had an impressive Martin Luther King four-day holiday weekend here, but we did not have a top five all-time gross from any of the movies. The best all-time gross for the four-day weekend comes from American Sniper, starring Bradley Cooper. It made over $107.2 million over the Martin Luther King holiday weekend, followed by Bad Boys for Life in 2020, shortly before disaster struck. Avatar is at number three. It made $54.4 million back in 2010 as it continued its box office domination. Ride Along made $48.6 million over the MLK weekend for number four on this list, and then M. Night Shyamalan's Glass made $46.5 million. So Avatar The Way of Water just getting shut out of that top five MLK weekend gross. But I mentioned that the weekend looks pretty good. This is the chart showing what the average was pre-pandemic 2015 through 2019. The red line there is the 2021 and 2022 average, so basically after theaters are back open, and and then now you can see this week, the dotted black line is going to be our 2023 number. And as happened last week, you can see that the box office total for all films for the three-day weekend was pretty much right between those numbers. We are significantly above what the average has been on the second week of the year since theaters actually reopened in the past two years. But we are also still significantly below the box office average for the five years preceding the pandemic. So what we want to see if we are seeing a full box office recovery, is to have this dotted black line continue to stay, not just in the middle of these two, that would be a great recovery, but to also get even closer to that blue line and perhaps exceed it as we go throughout the year. But a good start, if you're just looking at incremental recovery, a good start to 2023, because while we're not at the heights that we were, we're certainly not at the depths that we also were the past couple of years. So let's take a few minutes to talk about Avatar The Way of Water. One thing that I've been doing in the month now that it's been in theaters, a full month, it's kind of hard to believe, is tracking Avatar versus Avatar The Way of Water to see how the two grosses compare to each other, both adjusted for inflation and un 
adjusted for inflation. So let's look first at the chart of these two movies grosses day by day if you do not adjust for inflation. And you see here, Avatar is the blue line on the bottom. Avatar The Way of Water is the orange line, and it continues to track ahead of the original Avatar film when you look at the gross day by day. But there's something that you, you may have to look closely. I perceive a little bit of narrowing here as we get to day 31 and 32, which are the last couple of days of release. I think that Avatar, the original film, is starting to close that gap. And that's why I say I don't think that Avatar The Way of Water is going to match the $760 million gross of the original because I don't think it's going to play quite as well as the original film. And I think that you can really see this bearing out when you look at this chart adjusted for inflation. So when you look at the inflation adjusted numbers, after about eight days, the original Avatar overtakes Avatar The Way of Water. And then you see that divide between the two of them gradually begin to get bigger and bigger. But look at it here over the last four or five days. You see a pronounced gap opening up between Avatar and Avatar The Way of Water. And I think we're going to see that trend continue. We'll talk about in just a moment how successful Avatar The Way of Water is. But the one thing that I will say is that I don't see it being as successful adjusted or unadjusted for inflation as the first movie. And as we look at these two charts, I think it's going to show you why. Because I believe that the unadjusted for inflation chart, the gap between those lines is going to narrow. And when we look at the adjusted for inflation chart, I think that the gap between those two lines is going to widen over time. So that's going to be something to watch as we go over the next few weeks. Avatar The Way of Water did not make any big moves on the domestic charts or the overall worldwide charts, but it is chipping away at some leaders. First of all, let's look at the domestic box office for 2022, or at least films that were released in 2022. And you see that Avatar The Way of Water is still well behind Top Gun Maverick, which would be the top grossing domestic box office film of the year. I've been on record as saying I do not believe that Avatar The Way of Water is going to catch Top Gun Maverick domestically. I think it may be close, but I don't think it's going to match it. I think it's going to end the year as the number two film domestically. When we look at the 2022 worldwide box office, Avatar The Way of Water doesn't have anywhere to go. It's already at number one. It just increases the amount of money that it has over Maverick. It is now at $1.9 billion worldwide, easily the highest grossing movie released in 2022 worldwide. And when we look here at the highest grossing worldwide films of all time, you can see just how close it is to moving up this chart. Actually, as you're watching this show, it has probably moved past Spider-Man No Way Home to become the sixth highest grossing film of all time worldwide. Spider-Man No Way Home grossed $1.916 billion. As of this taping, Avatar The Way of Water is at $1.903 billion. So we're going to see a new number six movie that will also make Avatar The Way of Water the highest grossing worldwide film of what you might call the pandemic era post-2020. And then it really becomes, is it going to break $2 billion? It certainly looks like it's going to. And if it does, is it going to overtake Infinity War? Is it going to overtake The Force Awakens? Again, it certainly appears that it is going to do that. 
And then the question becomes, will it overtake Titanic? There are a lot of X factors that go into that, including Titanic's re-release coming up later this year. So I think that's going to be a question that we're going to be asking for a while. But one question that people have been asking in the past for quite a while is exactly how much money is Avatar The Way of Water making? We talked a little bit on last week's show about that $2 billion break-even number and how that was sort of extrapolated from an offhand comment that James Cameron made. It has since been clarified that Avatar The Way of Water has broken even, but how much money is it actually making? Well, I decided to crunch some numbers. Now, these are not official because we don't get the official numbers on things like this, but when I was making these estimates, and these are estimations based on what's been reported as far as what percentage of the gross, etc., I actually was not very kind to Avatar The Way of Water. I estimated on the low end as far as how much money is going to Disney, which is the parent studio. So it's possible that the Avatar The Way of Water profits could be much more than this, but if I was going to give you a number, I wanted to give you a lower number rather than a higher number just to show you that I'm really giving the doubters the benefit of the doubt here. So here's one extrapolation for me on just how much money Avatar The Way of Water is making. This is given market estimates, and this is the release to date. So this number is going to go up as Avatar The Way of Water makes more money. First of all, we start with China. We don't know exactly how much money Hollywood gets from the Chinese box office, but on the lower end, it's 20%. China keeps 80%, 20% goes back to the studio. Right now, Avatar The Way of Water has made $212.2 million in China. That translates to a studio cut of $42.4 million. Then the international market, basically all markets except for China and except for the domestic market. Again, on the more conservative side, it's been reported that 40% of the international box office comes back to the studios in the United States. The international gross of Avatar The Way of Water is $1 billion $118,700,000. So 40% of that is $447,480,000 coming back to Disney. Then we get to domestic. And again, I was a little bit aggressive as far as what percentage of the box office share went to the studio. There have been talks about the fact that Disney has kind of been playing hardball with some of their biggest titles, especially when we're talking about five years ago, taking a bigger percentage of the box office share than the 50-50 number that's often reported. So I actually am assuming that Disney was still able to aggressively position themselves and take a bigger percentage of the share in the opening weekends uh, for Avatar The Way of Water, but not as much of a cut as has been reported. So for domestic week one, I'm estimating a 60% share going back to Disney. There have been reports that it could be higher, but let's say just 60%. Avatar The Way of Water made $197.6 million in its first week. That translates to a studio cut of $118.6 million. Domestic week two, I estimated a 55% share going back to Disney. $160.4 million gross in week two, which translates to an $88.2 million cut back to the studio. And then the third week of domestic release, which just wrapped up. This is where I'm going into a 50-50 share between Disney and the theaters. $204.8 million in week three, $102.4 million going back to the studio. So we know maybe a little bit at least about how much money has been going back to the studio, but how much did they pay out? This has been a subject of heavy speculation. And again, I'm going with some of the higher numbers that are floating out there. Maybe not the highest numbers, but some of the higher numbers. First of all, as far as budget, 
$400 million is one of the higher numbers going around about Avatar's budget, so that's what I put it at. A budget of $400 million, a P&A budget or promotion and advertising of $250 million, which would be more than Disney spent to promote Avengers Endgame, but we have inflation. And again, I'm going to go ahead and give the doubters uh, the benefit of the doubt, as I was saying, and, and say that it did have a $250 million advertising budget because it could have. That puts total costs for the studio at $650 million. So when you add up all of the different studio cuts from all of these different markets, I calculated an income of $799.1 million costs of $650 million, which means that right now, based on these estimates, Avatar The Way of Water would have generated $149.1 million in profit. That is after all studio costs, not counting ancillary markets and marketing deals, etc. So we're already seeing, and I think this could be on the lower end, a return of about $150 million, and the movie is still making money. We could conceivably see Avatar make two, three, four hundred million more dollars globally. And right now, all of the money that Disney's getting from these different studio cuts is going straight into this profit margin. So I'm going to keep track of my estimated profit for Avatar The Way of Water. If there is some more concrete information that comes out, then I may update some of these numbers. But we are looking at a very profitable film here. Probably 200, 250, 300 million dollars in profit. And the good news for Disney is that reportedly James Cameron made part or all of Avatar 3, at least the motion capture, etc., while he was making Avatar The Way of Water. It's unclear just how much of this budget for Avatar The Way of Water may be applied toward Avatar 3. So it could have a budget that's lower than the second film if it performs similarly then we could see an even higher profit margin. So that's a look at just how much money Avatar The Way of Water is making, but I wanted to take this way of calculating things and turn it towards a movie that is losing money, and a movie that came out recently that is losing its studio a lot of money is Babylon. Babylon was a big swing from Paramount. They gave Damien Chazelle a lot of resources, and right now they are not seeing much return on that investment. And it's a very interesting case here because Babylon has come out domestically, but has yet to really start rolling out worldwide. So let's take all of what we just did with Avatar The Way of Water and apply it to Babylon. How much money is Babylon losing? given market estimates in its release to date. Well, China, we don't have to worry about. Not only has it not come out yet in China, I it's not gonna come out in China. So China is not a market that's gonna be available to Babylon. Internationally, has not come out yet. So that 40% share, that return that's gonna come back to Paramount, that hasn't happened yet. But let's look domestically. Domestic week one, 60% share. Again, assuming that Paramount is able to get Disney terms from the different exhibitors, which they're probably not gonna be able to. But Babylon made $7.4 million in its first week. That translates to a studio cut around $4.4 million. In its second week, it made about $4.6 million. That means about $2.5 million going back to the studio with a 55% cut returning to Paramount. And then in its third week, it made $2.7 million with a 50% share returning to the studio. That translates to about $1.3 million. Now let's get to the budget. I have seen budget numbers for Babylon as high as $110 million. So I'm actually being a little kind to the movie here. And I'm going with another reported figure that I saw at a few different places with a $78 million budget. However, I also saw that it had a promotion and advertising budget equal to what they put into the movie. So an $80 million budget for advertising, promotion, etc. That translates to studio costs of $158 million. Well, when you add up all of the income from its domestic release so far, you come 
come up with about $8.3 million with $158 million in costs. That translates to a current loss to Paramount of $149.6 million. An accountant somewhere just cried. Now, the only silver lining to this cloud is that Babylon has not yet come out internationally. But I also did the calculations in order for Babylon to break even, assuming that it's not going to bring in much more money from the domestic market, which it does not appear that it is going to, the basic international break-even number is $375 million, which would basically mean that Babylon has to perform internationally as well as Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which has made about $380 million internationally. I don't think that's going to happen. So this is another thing. I'll be looking at the international uh, numbers coming in for Babylon. That $150 million loss can't be easy for Paramount to swallow. I don't care how much money they made on Top Gun Maverick. Not enough to make $150 million not hurt. So we will be tracking both Avatar The Way of Water and Babylon because it's not often that you see a movie that makes as much money as The Way of Water or loses as much money as Babylon for their respective studios. Before we move on, I'm going to thank the sponsor for today's show, AG1 by Athletic Greens. We are well into January, which means it is time to buckle down and really think about making better choices. And AG1 is an easy and delicious choice when it comes to giving your body what it needs. So what is AG1? Well, with one delicious scoop, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, sourced superfoods, and more to help you start your day right. And it is super simple. I can either put a scoop right into a cup of water, or if I'm feeling adventurous, mix it into a shake for breakfast at home. Either way, it's a quick and tasty way for me to start the day off right and make sure that I'm supporting not only my gut health, but my immune system, my recovery, focus, and so much more. If you don't take a multivitamin or you've been trying to figure out which one to take, AG1 is a great choice because it's full of high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Dan. Again, that's athleticgreens.com Dan, D-A-N, to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I want to thank AG1 by Athletic Greens for sponsoring today's show. Okay, did I throw enough numbers your way? Let's get back to what this weekend looked like at the box office. And let's look at the per theater averages. Again, for January 13th to the 15th, Avatar The Way of Water was at number one with an $8,000 per theater average in over 4,000 theaters. So theater owners continuing to be big fans of James Cameron's latest film. Women Talking. Now, there was some disparity between my sources, but I'm going to give the movie credit for the higher uh, per theater average that I found. $6,281 per theater in 32 theaters. It will be taking a big expansion this weekend, which we'll talk about later. No Bears from Iran, which we talked about last week from filmmaker Jafar Panahi in two theaters, continues to stay on the list here at $5,780 per theater. Megan is at number four with just over $5,000 in over 3,600 theaters. And then at number five, a documentary called Turn Every Page, The Adventures of Robert Caro and Robert Gottlieb. If you're into the world of books and journalism, then this is probably one that you might want to check out. Four theaters for a $4,224 per theater average. When you look at the top films in specialty or limited release, 
release. This would be movies in 1,000 theaters or fewer over the past weekend. At number one and in the top 10 was Walter Viraya, which is a film from India. It's a Telugu language film starring the Indian star Chiranjeevi, and it's a pretty strong debut there in the top 10, as we have seen with Indian cinema as it continues to break its way into the mainstream here uh, in North America and make some big waves at the box office. Of course, RRR looking to make some big award season splashes coming up. Skinner Marink, which is a super low-budget horror film that we mentioned last week, in 692 theaters, was able to bring in $815,000, I think many times more than its production budget. The Devil Conspiracy was just under the number of theaters to be considered a wide release, 925 theaters for a total of $439,759. The Korean film Broker comes in at number four with $297,000 in 271 theaters. And then Women Talking comes in fifth place, $201,000 in 32 theaters as it prepares to expand. Looking at the top 10 grocers in limited release this year, this is the calendar chart. So this is all movies, regardless of what year they were released in. If they made money in 2023, they are on this chart. A Man Called Auto moved into wide release this past weekend, but it made $6,223,126 before it went into its 1,001st theater. So its gross freeze is there at number one. Same with The Whale, which is now in wide release. It made $3,958,744 this year in 2023 in limited release. It also made money last year in 2022 in limited release, but we don't count that money because this is a calendar year chart. Walter Viraya is at number three with just over $1 million new to the chart. Skinnamarink new to the chart at number four at $815,000. Sheen Ultraman at number five, $601,490 from a Fathom event that happened last week. I actually went to see Sheen Ultraman. What an interesting movie. Women Talking is at number six with just over half a million dollars down two spots from last week. The Devil Conspiracy new to the chart at number seven at $509,000. Corsage drops five spots, also just over half a million dollars at number eight. Broker is just under half a million dollars, good enough for number nine. Empire of Light drops five spots from last week at $234,000. And then EO, The Banshees of Sharon, Living and Triangle of Sadness, all big awards films that were released in 2022 dropping off the chart as more 2023 releases come onto the chart. Let's look at the 2023 domestic winter spring box office. So these are movies released this year in over 300 theaters. That's where I'm drawing the line for now. Megan is number one, bringing in $59.7 million in its first two weeks. Plane is at number two with its $11.6 million gross. House Party at number three with $4.4 million. Walter Viraya at number four at just over a million, followed by Skinnamarink at number five, Sheen Ultraman at number six, and The Devil Conspiracy at number seven. That chart will continue to fill up as more movies are released in theaters around the country this year. This is the 2023 domestic box office calendar chart. So much like the limited release chart, these are movies that made money in 2023 regardless of when they were released. And you can see that Avatar The Way of Water is the top earning calendar film this year with $169.2 million in the bank since January 1st. Megan is at number two with $59.7 million. Puss in Boots The Last Wish has banked $54.6 million in calendar 2023. A Man Called Otto is at number four with just over $21 million. Black Panther Wakanda Forever drops one spot to number five with just over $13 million. Plane enters the chart at number six. I Want to Dance with Somebody drops two spots to number 
number seven. The Whale stays at number eight with 5.76 million, just barely edging out Babylon at 5.72 million. And then we have House Party entering the chart at number 10 with 4.4 million. Violent Night and The Menu are two 2022 releases that have been bumped off of the domestic box office chart. Let's take our attention now outside of the domestic box office and look at the international box office. So these are all markets outside of the United States and Canada. Not surprisingly, Avatar The Way of Water is number one with $88.6 million, followed by Puss in Boots The Last Wish with $19.8 million. Megan is at number three, $15.4 million. Operation Fortune, the latest film from Guy Ritchie, continues to play solely in international markets for $9.9 million. The First Slam Dunk, which is a film that we haven't seen on the chart in a few weeks is at number five with 6.7 million and we will be seeing a big uptick in these international charts in the next couple of weeks because the Chinese New Year is coming up it is a big focus for China to put out some huge releases to really generate a lot of box office we don't yet know what the pandemic is going to do as far as those grosses, how many people are going to be able to go to the movies, what the lockdown situation is going to be. But I think we are going to see some significant grosses coming out of China here in the next couple of weeks. When you take the international numbers, you combine them with the domestic market, we get our worldwide numbers. And Avatar The Way of Water banked another $121 million just over the three-day weekend from January 13th to the 15th. Puss in Boots The Last Wish eking out a number two finish there with $34.2 million, just over Megan with $33.6 million. A Man Called Otto is at number four with $17.2 million, and Plane is at number five with $11.3 million. This is the part of the show where I like to take a look at a weekend from Box Office Pass, but also pay tribute to just a few people who have passed away in the last week or so, who have left a mark in the entertainment industry, movies, TV, etc., and one name that came up that was a shock because she was very prominently uh, attending the Golden Globe Awards just a week ago is Lisa Marie Presley, who reportedly died of cardiac arrest just a couple of days after attending the Golden Globe ceremony. Lisa Marie Presley was, of course, famous for being the daughter of Elvis Presley, but also launched her own musical career, had a couple of high-profile marriages, not least of all to Michael Jackson, uh, the daughter of the king of rock and roll, marrying the king of pop himself, and a very notable chapter in her life and also in Michael Jackson's life. And then she's been very visible over the last several months as she and her family have been very supportive of Baz Luhrmann's film and of Austin Butler's portrayal of her father, uh, Elvis Presley. And this is one of those things where, of course, it is always sad and shocking uh, when someone passes away, but in this case, particularly because of the unexpected nature of it and because uh, she and her family had been so much in the zeitgeist lately, a very unexpected end uh, to Lisa Marie Presley's life. And then someone who passed away who was one of the last ties to the golden age of Hollywood. Gina Lollobrigida is a name that you may not know, but she was for her time an incredibly successful and incredibly popular and famous star out of Europe. She worked with some of the greatest directors of the golden age of Hollywood, including John Huston, Carol Reed, Vittorio De Sica, John Sturgis, and King Vidor. And some of her co-stars included Humphrey Bogart, Errol Flynn, Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis, Anthony Quinn, Frank Sinatra, Yul Brenner, Rock Hudson, Steve McQueen, Sandra 
Mr. D, Sean Connery, and Shelley Winters, and that's just to name a few. When you look at that list of people that she knew and that she worked with, there are a sadly diminishing number of people on this earth who can tell you what that time was like, and Gina Lola Brigida was one of those people. Truly a full life, a life well-lived in movies and television and elsewhere, politics, you name it. Uh, and so Lisa Marie Presley, Gina Lola Brigida, two women that have left marks in very different ways on the entertainment industry, but will be remembered for a very long time to come. And as always, my thoughts and wishes go out to their family, friends, and fans. Let's look now at a week in box office past, and we will look at the second weekend of the year, January 8th through 10th, 30 years ago in 1993, and it was a weekend where we saw a lot of very consequential Academy Award films. At number one in its fifth week was A Few Good Men, which dropped 35.8%, but topped the box office with just over $9 million. A Few Good Men would go on to get four Academy Award nominations in 1993, including Best Picture. At number two was Aladdin in its ninth week, 46.1% drop, but still dominating at the box office with an $8.4 million take. Aladdin would go on to get five Academy Award nominations, including two wins for Best Original Song and Best Original Score. Scent of a Woman had a big expansion that second weekend in January 1993, and it came in third place with $6.4 million. Scent of a Woman would get four Academy Award nominations, including Best Picture, Best Director, and, of course, a Best Actor win for Al Pacino, a long-sought-after and deserved, at least when you look at Legacy, Best Actor win for Al Pacino. At number four was The Bodyguard in its seventh week with a $5.2 million total. The Bodyguard received two Academy Award nominations for Best Original Song. So between Aladdin and The Bodyguard, they took up four out of five spots for Best Original Song. And then at number five is a movie that did not get any Academy Award nominations that year. Forever Young in its fourth week starring Mel Gibson came in fifth with $4.5 million. But it did co-star Jamie Lee Curtis, who may soon be getting her first Academy Award nomination. She is one of the frontrunners for Best Supporting Actress. And Forever Young was the third produced feature screenplay from a young writer named Jeffrey Abrams, who would later shorten his name to J.J. Abrams. But of course, you know what we like to do here on the show when we're taking a look way into box office history, and that is to get a better sense of what those dollar figures might have looked like today as we hit the inflation button. And when we do that, A Few Good Men tops the box office with $18.2 million, followed by Aladdin at $17 million, Scent of a Woman at $13.1 million, The Bodyguard at $10.5 million, and Forever Young at $9.2 million. But there's also one other debut that week that I wanted to point out. It was the same week that we were introduced to one of the biggest icons in horror and one of the best franchises, really, when you think about it. Of course, I'm talking about Leprechaun. That's right. The same week that we saw huge Academy Award contenders like A Few Good Men and Aladdin and Scent of a Woman duke it out of the box office, we also got our first Leprechaun movie starring Warwick Davis and Jennifer Aniston. Really, that should be the headline from this weekend. Forget all those awards movies. That was the weekend, the second weekend in January that we saw Leprechaun for the first time, and, and I really think that none of us were ever the same after that.
Before we go, as always, I like to take a look at the streaming charts to see what people are watching at home through various different streaming services. And we will start, as always, with iTunes. This is the iTunes chart as of today when I'm filming the show, January 16th. At number one is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, available for purchase and premium video on demand, also still doing well at the box office. Ticket to Paradise is at number two. Tar takes a big leap up to number three. I think some of that buzz around Kate Blanchett's performance has people curious. Triangle of Sadness is at number four. The Fableman now available for purchase is at number five. Devotion is at number six. The Woman King is at number seven. Elvis as well, I think, riding some award season buzz for a resurgence here on the iTunes chart at number eight. Top Gun Maverick at number nine. And Knives Out at number 10. Looking at the most watched programs on Netflix, this is for the week of January 2nd through January 8th. And I had somebody in the comments last week ask, well, what does PFV mean? So for everybody that says, Dan, why do you explain what PFV is every week? It's because there's people that watch the show that haven't seen it every week. So this is measured by PFV. It's a custom number that I have. I take the number of hours watched for a program, I divide it by a length, and it gives me the number of potential finished views or PFV. It's a way to just kind of even out the length of a program instead of just the raw hours watch number. And when we look at January 2nd through the 8th, it's a very actually close contest. The pale blue eye ended up coming out on top with a PFV number of 19.89, followed by Ginny and Georgia season two with a PFV number of 19.24. Then we had Glass Onion, the sequel to Knives Out, in a close third place with a PFE of 19.19. And in fourth place, Netflix's quasi-experimental series Kaleidoscope with a PFE of 18.03. So a very close competition near the top of the most watched programs on Netflix chart. The Glory Season 1 comes in at number 5 with a PFE of 12.48. Wednesday Season 1 continuing to dominate with a PFE of 12.46, followed by Matilda the Musical with a PFE of 9.07. Jumanji The Next Level not available in all markets, but available in enough to chart with a PFE of 8.86, followed by Emily in Paris Season 3 with a PFE of 8.77. And at number 10, White Noise, a movie that was on my top 10 list for 2022. It rounds out the top 10 with a PFE of 6.35. Looking at the most watched Netflix programs in 2022, Glass Onion debuts on the chart this week at number 7 with its 109.8 PFV. That knocks Hustle down one spot to number 8, The Sea Beast to number 9, Troll to number 10, and Bridgerton Season 2 off of the chart. The rest of the chart remains the same, and you see there that Wednesday Season 1 continues to build on its lead with a PFE of 229.7. The next closest Netflix program is The Atom Project with a 147.2 PFV. And you see that Wednesday is very close when we look at the most watched programs from June 28, 2021, when Netflix began providing these numbers to today. Unless Wednesday completely falls off the chart, it will soon overtake Red Notice to become the second most watched Netflix program as far as PFV numbers go. Since they started providing this data, Red Notice will get jumped down to number two and Wednesday will jump up from number three. It right now is about uh, three PFV points, which would equate to about three million finished views from Red Notice. So I think it should hit that number fairly easily. We may see that movement next week. 
Finally, let's look at the Nielsen charts. Now, these are about a month delayed. They don't measure all devices, but they do measure almost every streaming service. There are a few that are left out, but more and more are signing on. And it gives us a rough idea of what people are watching across the different services. And when we look at the most watched streaming movies for December 12th through the 18th, Prisoners on Netflix was number one. People really wanted to get bummed out right before Christmas with 14.2 million hours watched. Black Adam on HBO Max at number two didn't exactly change the hierarchy of this chart, but it did come in at number two at 10.5 million hours watched. Bullet Train on Netflix has been a big success. Nine million hours watched for third place there. Home Alone on Disney Plus, 8.2 million hours watched. Good enough for number four. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio at number five, 7.7 million hours watched. How the Grinch Stole Christmas is at number six with 6.2 million hours watched, followed by I Believe in Santa at 5.4 million hours watched on Netflix. Elf on HBO Max comes in at 5.4 million hours watched flat, good enough for number eight. Home Alone 2 Lost in New York is at number nine with 4.7 million hours watched. And Storks on Netflix ties with Home Alone 2 for that 10th spot. When we look at the most watched streaming shows for the week of December 12th through the 18th, Wednesday on Netflix is at number one with 35.9 million hours watched, but Harry and Meghan is a close number two at 28.1 million hours watched. Coco Melon at number three, NCIS at number four. Netflix's The Recruit debuts on the chart at number five with 15.4 million hours watched. The White Lotus is at number six. Friends is at number seven. Firefly Lane is at number eight. Perennial favorite Criminal Minds back on the chart at number nine and Sonic Prime on Netflix debuting on the chart at number 10. And when we look at the top 10 shows with watch time per available episode, we see that Harry and Meghan tops the chart here. It had three available episodes for a watch time of 4.69 million hours per episode. Wednesday at number two with 4.49 million hours watched per episode with eight episodes. Don't Pick Up the Phone on Netflix was at number three with an hours watched per episode of 2.22 million. The Recruit at number four with 1.93 million. Sonic Prime at number five with 1.37 million. The White Lotus at number six with 1.16 million. The Santa Claus is wrapping up its run on Disney Plus with 1.09 million hours watched per episode. Coco Melon's at number eight. Kindred is at number nine. And Firefly Lane is at number 10. And that wraps up charts for this week, although it is a very busy week ahead when we look at things that are coming out in theaters, on streaming, etc. On Thursday, the 19th, we have the debut of That 90s Show on Netflix, which is the spinoff of That 70s Show. Of course, That 90s Show is now as far away from the 90s as That 70s Show was as far away from the 70s, and I'm having a very difficult time dealing with that. Several movies that you can maybe check out this weekend in various theaters. If you saw the John Show film Searching and wanted to something similar. There's one coming out called Storm Reed called Missing that is very similar. It's the sort of screen life film. I very much like searching, so I'm looking forward to Missing. It opens in theaters around the country on Friday. Women Talking also expands to theaters around the country on Friday. The Sun, which was a big Oscar buzzy movie, but then didn't have great reviews. They held the expansion until after the new year. You'll see it in several more theaters this upcoming weekend. Alice Darling, starring Anna Kendrick, will also be expanding to a lot of theaters this upcoming weekend, but it is an AMC exclusive, so you will only be able to see it at that theater chain. New Gods, Yang Jian, which is a film that came out a while ago in China, will be getting a limited release through G-Kids this weekend. That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime, the movie Scarlet Bond, man, that is just a name that rolls off your tongue 
Crunchyroll will be putting that film out in select theaters this upcoming weekend. When You Finish Saving the World will be coming out this weekend in limited release. This is the directorial debut film of Jesse Eisenberg. I saw it at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival virtually, and let me tell you, didn't care for it. It has maybe the most unlikable characters that I've ever seen in a movie, and not in that way that I think movie characters are supposed to be unlikable. I just hated everyone in the film. Maybe your mileage will vary, but I didn't have fun. It was not a good experience for me watching that film. Debuting on Amazon Prime Video this weekend, Friday the 20th, is The Legend of Vox Machina Season 2 from Critical Role. And then in a rare Sunday release, on Sunday, January 22nd, The Wandering Earth 2, which is a huge, big-budget Chinese sci-fi film. The first Wandering Earth film cost a lot of money and also made a lot of money. It's actually getting a day-and-date global release, or at least day-and-date in China and also in the United States. There will be 125 theaters playing the Wandering Earth starting on Sunday the 22nd to celebrate the kickoff of the Chinese New Year. The Wandering Earth 2 will also of course be playing in China where it is expected to rack up as much money as it can given the COVID-19 lockdowns etc. So that's something to watch. We could very well be seeing box office for The Wandering Earth 2 on our global charts. And because it's released here in the United States and in China, it's a multi-market movie, so it would be eligible, for example, for the 365-day Hall of Fame were it to make it that far on the chart. We'll just have to see. That does it for the show. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you to Athletic Greens, the makers of AG1, my sponsor. Thank you to my partners at Carbon Health. But most of all, thank you to you for spending part of your day with me. I'll be back later this week with more movie news, box office reviews, award talk, you name it. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.